Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And on this episode, we wanted to highlight what listeners are saying right now. We asked for your emails. We asked for your thoughts. We asked for what you're experiencing right now. We wanted to hear from you. And we wanted to hear what you wanted to say right now. So we we have some emails and we have some voice memos. We wanted to put this episode on a separate feed because we just felt like it was something that we wanted to completely separate from what we had to say or what we were talking about right now. So the first email I want to read is from Amanda. And she says, hey guys, I just wanted to tell you I related to Claire's feelings in this episode. I'm absolutely all about the Black Lives Matter movement, and I totally agree about doing a ton of personal work to figure out my own personal biases. However, as the mother of a six-month-old and a pulmonologist and ICU physician, my plate is super full. And while I might have a few hours of free time a day, I have very little mental energy to think about how I can best contribute. I don't feel right asking people to help simplify this for me, and it's really hard to spend my free time thinking about something that's so deep. And this is not to complain about life, but to say please continue addressing tough issues, as your episode allowed me time to confront my biases during my commute. And while this is obviously not a deep, as deep of a reflection as I need, it did allow me to do something, which is super helpful. Sorry if this is disjointed, but just wanted to express my support of you guys talking about this. It gave me space to think, which is so important. Also, Claire, I'm so excited about Playgrounds 2. It's time for my baby's first swing, and my six-month-old has been in daycare as much as it has been open, as I believe his risk from daycare is not that much more compared to the risk that I bring home to him. I totally agree with your reflections on this, along with Brandon's experience working on the COVID floor. Keep doing what you guys do. Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. And I think that's something that a lot of people are finding that it's hard to think about or that they're having a hard time finding space to think about. And I would just really like gently urge you to not make people feel guilty, but just urge you that this is not, this is something that is so important and that we, quite frankly, I, I kind of am stumbling on words, but thinking along the lines of like, we don't have the luxury of just saying like, I need to find the time or I don't have the time while we are so busy. I think Amanda makes a point of like, she is making time. She is thinking about this. So we don't need it to be perfect. We just need to be giving an effort. And I think that that right now, specifically from what I'm seeing, um, at least just people that I follow in the Black community and talking to some friends is we don't have to keep expressing how we're doing it right or wrong. You just have to do the work internally. And whether or not, you know, you announce it on social media, you know, internally what you what you can do. And that's what matters. I think so we do have other um, emails and some voice memos as well that we want to share. And we really do want to focus on those. But I think one really quickly, one thing I've been focusing and thinking a ton about is the fact that I feel like right now, to me, something that feels like is being highlighted is that we as a kind of group right now have gotten in the habit of doing too much real time processing in, on social media and kind of in public. And I think the call to people to, that, you know, a couple of weeks ago or week, week and a half ago that said, if you, you know, your silence is loud and if you're not saying something, then that's saying something. I think that too many people took that to mean, okay, well then I, in order to do this the right way or in order to show that I'm supportive, then I need to be doing every single component of this work out loud and on my platform and in public. And I think that we are seeing a lot of people who, yes, this is going to be something that takes a long time and, and you know, we're, nobody's going to get it right the first time. 
And those early conversations should not be done on your Instagram feed. They should be done in your homes. They should be done with your friends. And not to say that it's because I'm not trying to like infantilize this process. You know, we're not toddlers learning to walk here. We're adult humans who are critical thinkers and, you know, need to be doing hard work. But to say that there's so it's too much noise. And it's not helpful and it's not helpful for you for it to be done publicly. And that's just something that I think that in like the content creation culture that we currently live in, it has become the norm to like every single mundane thing you post a long essay about it on your Instagram. Right. You get this like manifesto and of where you stand and really... I right, and it's like don't think that's we don't great, need those. I don't think that's the best way to process that. We really don't need that, and no one's expecting that from you. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, no one's really expecting that. I think, I think, especially just this is my total gut feeling from what I'm kind of sensing, especially from the black community and even all people of color is just we're so sick of white people having to announce everything that they're that they're going through or calling people out I think I read one post that really struck me where I was like yeah that's really kind of true or one post said um I'm so sick of people like applauding each other for recognizing their blind spots or their racism or their or that they're privileged you know they're like we have to do this we've been doing this since day one like we've been calling out racism since day one so (laughs) I got really bothered by a couple posts that from white people that were just like giving these big manifestos about their white privilege and I think you guys know if you listened to the last episode about that of just how I feel of white people calling out their own white privilege and acknowledging it and great that's wonderful but it's just so not helpful it's not helpful and truly it, it is so frustrating Again, I'm totally speculating just from what I've been reading. So please correct me if I'm wrong. But from what I've been reading from the black community is like, shut up. You know, we don't need to, we've been doing this since all, everything you guys are saying that you're doing, we've been living since day one. And, and so I think that that is also the frustration where the white community is like, well, we're trying. And the black community is like, yeah, but we don't need to hear you. You guys have to just process everything and you have to announce it. Like, join us like just join us we don't need to hear these grand manifestos and explanations about where you've been we just need you to step up and join us and part of me is like yeah we need to join in without having to announce it put your energy into joining in I think that's and that's what I'm trying to get at is like I think that it has been the norm in our culture to to you know there's like that Gary V thing that's like document don't create you know it's all about just documenting every single thing about your life and you know, writing about every single little thing that you do. And so that has become the norm. And especially for people who live in the content creation space, they are in, you know, influencers and whatever, like instead of writing a long diatribe about their latest recipe or skin routine or whatever, you know, or even about, you know, more things of more substance that they would write a long post about, like now the focus has shifted, but it's, it's not the same. It's not like, oh, now that you're, you know, focusing on anti-racism instead of focusing on, parenting that you need to have the exact same approach to that content because it's not I just I want us to think critically about that and I want people out there if you're listening and you have a platform to think critically about how your content has shifted in the last few weeks and about the fact that you can't approach this the same way that you would approach other content that you're posting about you really can't and 
it, it for at least from my perspective this is such a huge shift that you just cannot you cannot yet fathom how this needs to happen for you and it's such an individual journey i truly believe that but i think what's frustrating for me and i hope changes is that businesses or bloggers that i follow all of a sudden just start pivoting and saying well this is how we've done wrong in having mm. a diverse staff or this is how we've done and part of me is like this shouldn't I and I struggle with this too because I certainly don't want to like bash people for trying but it's also like you knew this this should not be news that you have an all-white staff right and I just yeah I, I, so I want to, okay, so I want to re- re- rein us back in and put the focus back on our listener voices, but I, because angry. you and I can, <laughs> can just like be angry about this all day and like I be frustrated know. about this all day. And, I and our so anger bad. and frustration is the tip of the it's iceberg. Not helpful. Of, okay. It's not yes. helpful. Well, it's helpful in some ways, but right now we really want to focus on listeners. So, okay, go ahead. Let's bring it back. Okay. Bring it back. So we, this is an email from Catherine. Hi, ladies. I was lurking on your Instagram and saw a story asking Black, Indigenous, people of color listeners to share with the community. The past weeks have been really hard. Something that I felt encouraged was seeing the number of non-Black people stepping forward to inform their communities of structural racism that is permeating society, including fitness spaces. Because I follow your podcast on social media, along with Elizabeth Akinwali, I heard about the situation involving CrossFit HQ. It is unfortunate to see a person in leadership who desires the public to be more imaginative with how people think about public health fails to see that discrimination and racism is a public health issue that needs to be addressed. It is very easy to clown on CrossFit right now. However, CrossFit is not the only form of fitness that is entrenched in racism. I don't do the CrossFit. <laughs> However, I worked at boutique gyms throughout class pass. I work out at boutique gyms throughout class pass. Oftentimes, I'm either the only or one of a few women of color in those spaces and do feel out of place at times, especially with instructors' music choices. Some trainers use unedited music, which includes the N-word in it, which is off-putting, but I don't say anything at the risk of being viewed as difficult from the trainer or the gym. It's also strange to see that the majority of people of color who work in the gyms I work at are part of the cleaning staff and not the instructors or front desk attendance. Now that I'm reflecting on my experience in boutique fitness, I need to speak up and not be afraid of how I would be perceived. I'm really sorry for being all over the place. Thank you for what you do, Catherine. I want to focus on what Catherine said. And I also want to tell every listener who writes us, please never end your email with an apology because right. all of your, all, I feel like the other email also ended like that. And like we, a lot of our emails end like that. We love go, being brought on your journey of flow, flow of consciousness. Um, and that sure do. I don't, didn't feel like that was all over the place at all. No, I do think it's interesting. And I'm, I, I'm glad that she, I mean, cross is so problematic right now for a host of reasons, which we will be discussing in a separate episode because we don't want the focus to be on that. But I do think it's interesting to, to just point out that it's not just CrossFit. It's, you know, group fitness as a whole is really not a diverse space in most communities. And I'm not, yep. you know, we can't speak for every single community or every single class or every single studio. I'm sure there are those out there that are focused on having more diverse staff and diverse classes. But I mean, you know, I always think about like, I think that I've in the past definitely given myself and this area sort of like a pass because I'm like, well, I'm from Boulder. Like even if every single black person who lived in Boulder was in this class, it'd only be like 30 people. And it's like, there's so much to unpack there. Just so much to unpack. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think <laughs> the the one of the biggest things is like, I think because I've had that mentality when I've walked into spaces and thought like, wow, everyone in this room really looks like me. I've just stopped it at that. I've been like, oh, okay. And that's because I live in a white community. Like, well, but if I, when I go to Denver, that's, you know, you're working out in five points. Sorry, that's not a white neighborhood. Like the people, right. you know, you're going to core power in five points, like, and you're looking around you and it's a bunch of 
white ladies, like you should be asking some questions. We should be asking some questions. Yeah. You know, I think that that's important to also realize, like if you're, you're noticing all this CrossFit drama, but you don't do CrossFit, it's still an issue elsewhere. And it's not, you know, kind of, you're not off the hook. And I also think it's interesting to hear her experience of saying that she never wanted to speak up because she was afraid of being seen as being difficult. And I think one thing I've heard that has frustrated and angered me from white people is saying like, well, if this was so bad, then why aren't the people of color the ones speaking oh, up? No, no, no. And it's yeah. like, and you know, and it's the same. Oh, that's I, so tone deaf. That's so, it's so, I mean, it's it is. so insensitive and, I think, and yeah. Yeah, it, it's, I don't want to compare what's happening now to Me Too or any other thing, but I think it is a, in a similar vein as like, well then, you know, if this was really happening, why didn't they why didn't press charges something? or why yeah, didn't you say something? Like, yeah, well, when you're working against an oppressed system. Right. Your when you're dealing with a system and, and it's it's not as easy as just speaking up. It's not as easy as just going to the front desk and going, hey, why don't you have any black instructors? And it's not as easy as just going up to the instructor and saying, hey, I didn't appreciate the N word in that song, you know, that you played this whole time. Right. And there's you are really singling yourself out in that scenario. And like, let's just ignore all the other things about just your own personality. I mean, guys, how many of you are afraid to send the wrong dish back at the restaurant? Raise your hand. If you have a hard time confronting your waiter when they give you the wrong order, how hard do you think it would be to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I didn't like X, Y, Z thing that you did or said? Yeah. And this is where I feel like I don't want to tread. I mean, I totally understand that. And this is where I feel like I want to hear more from Black listeners or I mean, really, Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on Black listeners right now for obvious reasons. But I'd love to hear from any listener, if you are a person of color that has an experience, I really I want this to be in your words and your experience. We can only kind of project what what it sounds like to us. But I certainly don't want to disrespect you by kind of quote unquote whitewashing it. Um, No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like that is something too, where when people may make this silly comment about like, well, why didn't you speak up? It's like, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's just not even something you should say, because that's, I mean, that is the experience too of having a lot of I've I've been reading people's statements and experiences and the especially black community and people of color saying that we have had to be like white people. We've had to learn how to be like white people because we live in such a white society that we've had to just learn to be like white people. And so that is probably a whole nother realm that I'd love to hear people of color talk about. I don't want to project or assume anything, but that is just something that I can absolutely see that kind of throws that into the mix as well whenever you feel like you want to speak out but can't. Okay, so we're going to end with, oh, do you want to talk about the Camille post real quick? Yeah, so I was about to say, yeah, so I did have... Yes. Can I can I actually just direct on that last note of the email? I really want to direct everyone to Elizabeth Akinwelly's account. I know we've mentioned her a few times, but I just want to really spell it out so you can follow her. And she's posted some recent videos that are really, really, really good that really go into more about race and especially especially race and CrossFit. And, the lack and of she's reposting stuff. It's not that she's posted. A, I mean, she's posted a lot of new stuff, but she's also basically saying like, hey, guys, here's this video I made in 2017. 2017. Talking about this. Yes. Hope you're yeah. ready to watch it now. Right. How? Yeah. Hope you're ready to watch it now. She posted it after um, I want to say it was. Yeah, it was April of 2017. So uh, Elizabeth is spelled E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H. The last name is A-K-I-N-W-A-L-E. Elizabeth 
Akinwale. So I really recommend you follow her on Instagram. She's posting some really wonderful content. She always has, but especially now, it's I think you'll find it super helpful. All right, so let's address the comment from Camille that you reposted, Claire, last week when we kind of talked about this a little bit more specific to when CrossFit and it had all this. Right. So uh, CrossFit, you know, is lots going on. But the very short background of this is that I we had posted a statement about kind of our reaction to everything going on with CrossFit. And then I had reposted something in our stories, uh, which was a um, comment and a, a caption that Camille had written that said, you know, the thing that I think is really good, I'm summarizing here, basically said, I will always love CrossFit because of, you know, I probably can just look this up. I don't need to summarize it. It's the uh, response I need to summarize. So she said, my experience with the CrossFit community the past 10 years has been so wonderful. I have always felt embraced, loved, and part of something special. And then she goes on to say, I'm proud of our community that has been built by gym owners and the genuinely care for all their athletes as they would their own family. Uh, she says, the community I know gave women strength and courage to stand up and feel strong. The community made everyone feel inclusive and welcome, no matter your background, gender, race, or sexual preference. It is a community I fell in love with because of those exact reasons. And somebody, um, one of our listeners wrote in, and I'm so sorry that I've been thinking about your response for days and right. it is but it 100% buried and our, it went into the DM right. black hole and it's gone. So please, if you're listening, I would absolutely love it if you would email us and tell and let us know your name so that we can give you the credit for this because I really have been thinking about it so much and I just could, I would looked and I just couldn't find it. She said that statement that Camille made really comes again from such a place of privilege that yes Camille was welcomed and made to feel strong and made to feel included but that that had not been this listener's experience at all and this was a black listener who said that she never felt welcome in any CrossFit community except for the community in our podcast and that she had really anytime that she had been in a gym had really not felt welcome. And it did made me think about like, yeah, like Camille, you know, has was been the, has the CrossFit darling. Yeah. And I think it's easy to say, Oh, CrossFit has been so welcoming. Like, to anyone from like different yeah exactly and so I think that's the thing is yeah CrossFit is welcoming and if you walk for me it felt welcoming for me I felt accepted Mm -hmm. for me I felt like you know come one come all but again it's like yeah for who and I really appreciated that comment of because I had reposted that thinking like yeah you know CrossFit is inclusive CrossFit is welcoming and of course over the last several days again so much more has just been been realized and recognized and I really I appreciate appreciated that comment a lot because it made me really stop and, and realize again that I've been giving CrossFit and my experience in group fitness spaces a pass and making excuses for it because, oh, I live in a white, a predominantly white town. So, you know, it makes sense that, that they're is, not diverse. Not only that is the realization that we all have been complicit and we've all sat back and haven't brought to the forefront in our gyms of why we don't have a more diverse gym membership. So we've just gone along with it. And I think that that is a huge problem. I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm sure other listeners may feel the same way as we've just been going along with the environments that we're in of saying this is mostly white. And why is that? But Mm -hmm. haven't done anything about it. And I know. Okay, so actually, I'm going to cut us off because we've made this episode way too much about our reactions to people already. So we're going to play some voice memos. (laughs) 
from our we listeners. We have a couple. Yeah, we have a couple great voice memos. One is from Mira, who we love. Mira, she always sends us great emails. I feel like she is a, a bestie on social media just because she's followed us for a while and she's just divine. She's a great person. And then Juana sent us a great voice memo as well. And we're just going to end with their voice memos because you need to listen to their words. Hi, Joy and Claire. I wanted to send a message just to add my voice to um, the mix. I know that you're probably receiving a lot of messages and a lot of um, voice messages and stuff, but I also wanted to share um, how I'm feeling, where I'm coming from with all of this, and um, my thoughts. Apologies in advance for if this feels like it's disjointed or whatever, but um, I still am going to share as best as I can. I So just around my birthday is when um, the news about George Floyd came out and my first reaction is not again because we just were all posting about justice for Brianna and then also um, say Ahmaud Aubrey's name. And now this has happened. And it felt like, again, like there wasn't enough space in between for uh, anyone to recover. It just kept piling on like this is what may is about this is the month of may the month of may is when they their their killings didn't happen in may but this is when they surface which is also an outrage um but we all have been confronted with this reality three times in a row like once a week i looked at the average it was literally once a week and I, the, one of the first things that I read when, um, I was trying to process everything, it was from, uh, Quinta Brunson. Um, she used to be on BuzzFeed videos all the time. And now she's on, um, a black lady sketch show, still making people laugh. And she wrote, um, being black is having a good day. And then seeing another black person was killed for no reason. Then you have to think about slash talk about that all day or don't and numb yourself. It's a constant emotional war. And that's how I would describe the past week and a half or two. Um, after finding out about uh, the police brutality against George Floyd. First, I was like, well, when you think about what happened to Brianna um, Taylor, you'd think, okay, well, the police, like if you compare that to um, what um, Malcolm Gladwell wrote in his book, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking, and then if you think about all of the other um, people of color who have been shot and killed by police and how he actually invests, like he expands on that and tries to describe, um, their thinking, which is not thinking, um, when they're in situations like that and how there needs to be better training and this needs to be 
brought to light and racial profiling just needs to stop. But if you think about that and you think about these situations, you're like, none of these situations fall into that category. Um, None of them do. And so now it's like, well, what in the world is happening? Um, These are all like, they're not, they're not like split second decisions. They are happening right then. Like one guy is just ignoring the fact that somebody's dying underneath him. Another group of people are storming a house looking for somebody who's already been caught. And then two other vigilantes, I guess, um, go hunt someone just running in their neighborhood. Like that doesn't explain anything. And I've been going in this whole spiral of like, why is this happening? Um, and trying to understand. And then I have this other added layer from my own personal standpoint where I'm like, this is, uh, this is an outrage. This is terrible. I want to scream out about this. But then there's a, a negative voice inside of me who that's saying, but what, what place do you even have to say anything? And that comes from this whole third culture kid dilemma where I'm from these places, but I'm not from them. Like I don't relate entirely to the black experience because I didn't live it. Yes, I grew up in, in New Jersey for 10 years, but I don't remember any forms of racism or feeling like I was being, um, uh, that I was being discriminated against probably cause I was a kid and I, I was so blind to my surroundings. Um, and then just not even thinking, not even thinking about race until I was 18 really and went to college. And, um, I remember meeting other black people and there were a few th- experiences where I just, I didn't understand. And, um, one of them was the relief that, um, some of them expressed when they, like on the first week or so, when I'll never forget one of the people I knew, she was like, Oh, finally, the other black people. And I didn't realize that they were coming from an entirely different, like I knew they were, but I didn't really understand where they were coming from because I had spent most of my life um, in an international, not most of my life, but by that time it was like a third or half of my life in an international community surrounded by all kinds of different people. Um, and our differences didn't pull us apart. It's actually what brought us together. So not really experiencing what I'm protesting about, but looking and even sometimes sounding because I can kind of code switch sometimes, uh, like this really threw me through a loop of trying to figure out like my identity and where I stand in all of this. Um, But the fact of the matter is I am a black woman. 
And because of that fact, I will not have, unless things change, I will not have the same opportunities and I will not have the same access to resources and uh, I will not be even paid the same amount. Be all, And I also have a higher chance of being killed just because of the color of my skin. Like, as I even say this, I'm like looking down at my body and just being perplexed, but not as I, like, if you, well, not if, like when you learn more and more about how far reaching and, um, well, yeah, how far reaching the issue of race and white supremacy reaches, um, it's so, like, it's so angering, and it's so, it, it discourages me, like, I, I go through a loop, there's a loop of encouragement and hope when I see that a lot of my friends are speaking out, and, and not only speaking out, but also providing ways for people to affect change, and most of them are in America, and I'm like, this is great, this, this gives me hope, but then I, will stumble upon just a comment and be like, oh, you don't get it. And this is why we're here and nothing's ever going to change. And then I just go back and forth between those two um, extremes. Um, and that's what this past week was where I finally broke down. And, and then I was able, I'm not good at asking for help, Um I always feel like I can do things by myself, but I finally reached out to some friends who said something similar, but like what you put on your stories, like it doesn't matter, like even fragments of sentences, just words, just let it out. And so given, being given the space to do that changed everything for me this week. Some like my closest friends they gave me the space to express myself and listen. And it meant so much, much more than I even thought it would because there was no judgment. And it, I really hope that everybody has this space. And I know that they would be, they are the people, they are my people. And they are the type of people who would also call me out if I said anything out of line or um, just dumb. Um, but it really helped and it was a turning point for myself. And it made me start thinking because of the fact that I was like, what voice do I even have? Do I, I like this whole sense of belonging that third culture kids deal with? for like their whole lives. Like, where do I belong? Like, I look like this, but I'm not, I don't relate to this culture. Um, that it's, ooh, it's heavy. And it's been the heaviest burden from this, this week, just figuring out my identity. Um, and how do I respond to the world when this is happening? And I know the obvious response is speak out and speak out loudly, but I feel like, I don't know, it was 
deeper than that. And so that's something that was just really difficult this week. And, but I've come up, I'm on the other side of it. And I do believe that I, my voice matters. Um, and even if I'm just a drop in the ocean, well, everybody is just a drop in the ocean. And if we all weren't dropping in the ocean, then there would be no ocean. Um, another thought that I had yesterday when I was trying to do the big Floyd workout, that was really hard. It was the longest workout I've ever done um, running. I haven't run in literally a year and it took me an hour, almost an hour and 15 minutes to finish. But when I was doing all of the movements, the deadlifts, the the squat cleans, the push presses, and the, the clusters, I was just thinking about the whole idea of core to extremity, core to extremity. These movements are core to extremity. Like if we start as our as within ourselves and what we can do, the power that we generate will travel to the extremes, the extremities, our great, our society at large. So the things that we do as individuals, they really will make a, an, an impact. Um, every push that we make, like every power that we generate and push that does make an impact and collectively we we can make a difference and things will change um but then i also was trying to think like how can it be not just you know immediate but in short term like we can all donate right now to all of these funds but what about the long term and so apart from donating to all the, the George Floyd fund and the Breonna Taylor fund and, um, the bail funds for people who are, um, for activists who have been, um, who have been, what's the word? Sorry, arrested. Um, the other things that we can do or think about what what, how can we affect change in the long term? And one of the, another thing that I've been struggling with is that I live all the way here in Japan and nothing is happening. So to also be feeling such powerful feelings and just looking out from the outside and then just wondering, what can I do? And I think the best way, the only, like the way that I can, apart from using my voice is that now I'm in a place finally where I can contribute money to the causes because I find I have a steady job. I don't have any more debts. And, and so I can actually affect change, um, in a way that I've never been able to before. And so I've decided I need to do more research, but I've decided that I will donate to, um, a, an organization uh, that advocates for social justice, um, in America. Um, and also I was thinking, okay, well, I can do that, but what about something that's close to me? And by my bed, I have this picture 
um, that was taken of me when I used to live in Boston and I used to volunteer um, through my church with an organization that uh, got involved in its community and the community was um, the lower income community. Um, a lot of them were refugees um, and if they weren't refugees, then they're just a part of the black community, um, the black American community. And so I would volunteer every summer for a week and I would actually like fly back on purpose during this time that they had this uh, camp that I volunteered at just so that I could be a part of it. If, if it was just for one day, like last year, or if it was for the entire week, because I loved it. And I loved those kids. They're all teenagers now. And just thinking about what they're experiencing as a result of um, like what has boiled over. So I thought, okay, Boston was my home. And so I will um, donate to that cause for young people. I'm also a teacher. So young people, so that they can have access to the resources and opportunities that they probably wouldn't if there were, if there um, weren't an organization or um, anyone trying to pour into their lives. So that's the action I'm going to take. That is kind of a long narration of what I've been experiencing. If you've listened this far, thank you. I know that you're listening to so many people, but I just wanted to um, express that to you um, with my voice because I'm using it now. Thanks for everything, Joy and Claire. You guys... You're my podcast best friends, so thank you. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I love you guys. Bye. Hi, Joy and Claire. My name's Juana, and I live in Baltimore. I have been crossfitting on and off for the last couple of years, and I'm a black woman. Um, I have to be honest, I was livid when I saw Greg Glassman's response on CrossFit social media. It was a cop-out and he's only sorry that this is affecting his bottom line. The statement that HQ made did not affirm that CrossFit HQ is explicitly anti-racist. It did not condemn police brutality or express solidarity with the black people in this country who are taking to the streets and demanding that our black lives matter. All the while we're confronting a pandemic that disproportionately kills black people, the economic fallout of that pandemic has left black people jobless at a higher rate than other groups, and the pandemic within the pandemic of systemic racism and discrimination continues to linger. In the statement that was posted to CrossFit social media prior to Greg Glassman's statement, they asked us, black CrossFitters, to do the work for HQ, rather than HQ doing the work for itself to learn to take advantage of all the resources out there right now that are available for them to grow and dismantle white supremacy at this time, including resources that specifically sit at the intersection of racism and fitness and wellness. And Greg Glassman doesn't get to decide what's racist and what's not. Everything that I've seen from him makes it clear that this is all about him 
and it's not about black lives. Over the last few days, it has been very powerful to watch affiliates step up and condemn not just the racism displayed by Greg Glassman, but also to take stances affirming that black lives do matter and that silence is not an acceptable alternative. Folks that I know from CrossFit and other parts of the fitness world have been reposting these statements and sharing their outrage and their solidarity with the black community and their belief that these spaces should be for everyone. My hope as a black woman who's been in the fitness space for a while is that everyone posting those images and those videos again and again follows that up with action. Most of us, or a lot of us at least, can't go to our boxes right now due to restrictions surrounding COVID. But when we're all back, no matter how long that takes, I hope that every person that I see resharing Katrin or Tia or Noah or Chandler or Rogue or Noble's Instagram posts is willing to do the hard work in their local communities. Is your gym welcoming to all bodies? If things are said or done inside the gym and outside that you know in your heart are wrong, are you having those difficult conversations with your friends, your coaches, and your box owners? When black people or other people of color come into your gym and they raise concerns or red flags, are you listening to them and supporting them? Or are you telling them that it's just a joke or they need to calm down? Are you doing the work yourself to learn how to be anti-racist? Are you willing to walk away from places that affirm your humanity but won't affirm mine? Will you remember how this feels six months from now or a year from now when this isn't making headlines? Maybe still be doing the work then.